Hi friends, good morning and welcome. So good to be together. Glad you could join us this morning. Happy New Year. Hope you're having a good one. Just getting started and we are excited for what's ahead in 2021. 2020 was a challenging year. It was. <laughs> but there are some good things ahead. So we're going to be prayerful mm -hmm. and we're going to be um, leaning into mm -hmm. just God's promises and uh, and looking towards a good year to come. Uh, big news on the church horizon. Uh, we close. We complete the purchase of a building this week wow. and so we are so excited to start moving in if you've not been to the building if you'd like to step in and help out with some of the move process or any of that please reach out to us we're excited uh, to get rolling this coming week so for today though we are excited to be uh, looking at the book of acts yes we are so excited again happy new year I don't know if you are the New Year resolution sort of person or not. I sometimes am and sometimes not. Um, that is making the resolution or following through with the resolution? All of the above. Yeah. All, all of that. I have learned over the years that I need to be realistic when I do make New Year resolution. There was one year when I was very resolved to get up at the crack of dawn every single day that year to either exercise or spend time in prayer. Yeah, that didn't last um, super one. long. The every single day was a bit unrealistic, though getting up early is an awesome thing for me. You know, I love the concept of resolutions and the concept of goals, be they New Year goals or be they goals that we set at other times. The idea of it involving self-reflection and just taking inventory of of my life and what's been in the past and what's, what is in this present and looking to the future and, and asking myself, who do I want to be? What do I want to do? And how do I get there? Having vision for the future and taking intentional steps to get there. Yeah. Vision for the future, new opportunity mm -hmm. on the horizon. That is the story that we're going to be looking at in the book of Acts today. So uh, prior to Advent and prior to Christmas, we were uh, studying through the book of Acts. And for the first nine books of Acts, which is where we left off, uh, it is the story of a Jewish movement of people who have come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that he is our Savior, and they begin in large numbers to congregate around this idea. He has risen from the dead. He is our hope. He is our Savior. But this, of course, was a Jewish movement. It was a sect of Judaism. Now, it's in Acts chapter 10 that the story starts to shift. Uh, from the beginning, it was God's plan that Jesus and this new hope be for all nations, for all people. And it's in Acts chapter 10 that we start to catch a glimpse of just what God's vision for this church might look like. It's a good time to talk about vision. So Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, it says this, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius uh, stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So looking at Acts 10, we meet this man named Cornelius. And we don't know a ton about Cornelius, but we do know that he was a centurion. So he was in charge of a hundred soldiers in the Roman army. And we know that he lived in um, Caesarea. Now, Caesarea was a regional capital. In fact, it was the home of the Roman governor. That's where the Roman governor lived. And so there was uh, a large population of Gentiles, of non-Jews living there. In fact, it was predominantly a Gentile city. And um, Cornelius himself was not Jewish, so he was a Gentile. And we know from the text that he was devout and God-fearing. So though there were many religions, many pagan religions in this city, um, Cornelius worshipped God. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is um, it mentions in here uh, his faith was evidenced by good deeds. It doesn't use the word good deeds, mm-hmm. but it speaks of giving generously, uh, of gifts to the poor. And this is a common theme throughout mm-hmm. Scripture. Um, and we don't want to get it backwards. It's not that his good deeds made him a right. person of faith. It's that his faith compelled him towards mm-hmm. uh, good deeds. And specifically, often mentioned in Scripture, is how we care for the poor or those in need. And mm-hmm. the centurion man, uh, Cornelius, was a man who cared deeply for people in need and was engaged in the work of God in helping. And so at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and the timing is important because that is a time of prayer, uh, traditional in, in the in the Jewish religion there, it was a, a traditional time of prayer. And at 3 p.m. in the afternoon during prayer time, Cornelius sees a vision. And in this vision, an angel of God speaks to him. And the angel says, your gifts and alms to the poor are pleasing to God. God has seen what you are doing, these good deeds that you're referring to. In fact, they have come up to God like an aroma of a memorial offering. And it's interesting to me that here the angel speaking to a Gentile, Cornelius, but yet using the, the language from the Old Testament. Um, in speaking to Cornelius, and he's saying, God is pleased with what you're doing. So here's your instructions. And he tells him, send for a man named Simon, also called Peter, in Joppa, which was about 30 miles away. Send for him and have him come to you. Now, Joppa is kind of an interesting story Mm -hmm. in Scripture, right? You were telling me about this is where Jonah came to... um, prophesied to the Ninevites, right? So Jonah was sent to the Ninevites and he didn't want to go there. And so he went to Joppa and went the opposite direction. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So here uh, Cornelius is sent to Joppa Mm -hmm. to speak with a man named Peter. Mm -hmm. And Peter is one of the 12 apostles. He is one of the men that walked with Jesus for the years of Jesus' ministry. Uh, He was once a fisherman and Jesus walking along the shore says, come and follow me. And Peter did. He dropped everything and he followed Jesus. So he was an ordinary man Mm -hmm. as far as his education and his background and his life. But as one of the 12 apostles, Peter was one of the uh, more spontaneous (laughs) 
um, <laughs> often the first to act. And so there's countless stories uh, in scripture um, of Peter jumping mm-hmm. out and acting first. Like at the resurrection, mm-hmm. uh, the apostles are kind of distraught and confused and they're out fishing, kind of gone back to what they had always known. And Jesus shows up on the shore and they realize it's him. And while the other guys grab an oar and start to row towards Which is shore, what I would do. It's yeah, very practical. It's practical. You need to get there. Row. Yeah. Not Peter. No. Uh, he dives into the water and swims for shore. Mm-hmm. Forget the fish. Forget the rest of you. I am getting to Jesus. Uh, I love some of the character mm-hmm. of Jesus. And so this That's is Peter. Peter mm-hmm. or, or I'm sorry, of, of mm-hmm. Peter. Um, so this is Peter. And uh, Cornelius, the angel has sent Cornelius to go find this man, Peter, and talk with him. And the story continues. Starting in verse 9, about noon the following day, as they, the servants, were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. You know, what an incredible story of a vision from God about food. Now, I've never had visions <laughs> from God about food, but I will say that I've dreamt about food. Um, specifically when I've gone to bed hungry or been thinking about a specific meal. I mean, that's totally normal, right? You, you dream about food, no. talking lasagna. <laughs> that is not normal. That, I, yeah, maybe I'm not quite normal there. But here, this was very different. This vision was ab- about food was from God. Yeah, so um, the, it's significant what mm-hmm. he's dreaming in this moment. You see, uh, you can read in Leviticus about the dietary laws mm-hmm. of Israel. And what's happening in this moment is Peter has seen a sheet let down from heaven. In it are all sorts of animals that Israelite people are not allowed mm-hmm. to eat. And so it's quite natural, in fact, probably appropriate that Peter argues, I have never eaten these things and I never will. Three times he argues with God. What's interesting is he's actually arguing against God's will and God's plan. There's a Mm -hmm. lot to this. So in this moment, Peter is 
drawing back on and leaning into what I've always known and what I've always experienced. But God is trying to show him through this dream that I am doing something new. A new season, a new era is beginning here and now. And as he's in this trance, as he's dreaming about these unclean animals that God is saying, don't call them unclean because I have deemed them clean. Uh, As he's saying that, people, Gentile people, are Mm -hmm. showing up on his doorstep. And that really is the crux of this vision. The statement, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, a little context, a little history here um, is really helpful. So in the Jewish religion, there were various laws about what was clean and what was unclean and uh, what could make a person unclean. And so there were different foods and diseases and a variety of other things that could make a person unclean. And to be unclean meant that one could not go and to the temple and worship God. One could not offer sacrifices and, and couldn't be around people who were clean. And so then there were other laws on how to purify. So, so in the laws, uh, people were told to avoid things that um, made them unclean. And if, if that wasn't possible, then they had to purify themselves to become clean again. And so there, all these laws regarding what was clean, what was unclean, what made a person unclean, were part of everyday life. So the Jewish people knew these laws and they adhered to them. So this was a huge statement for Peter. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. You know, the kosher food laws greatly affected how the Israelites interacted or didn't interact with the Gentiles. And the Gentile people around them had different backgrounds and different customs and different cultures. And and all these things could be seen. But one of the really visible differences was the food. In fact, Jews and Gentiles didn't sit at a table together to eat. Yeah. You know, um, it's fascinating to look at Israel's story and history. God had set them apart. Mm -hmm. They were to be a nation distinct from other nations, but not exclusive. See, God's plan had always been, uh, I will bless you. I will Mm -hmm. set you apart that the nations will see me and know who I am and, um, and will come to worship me. And I will bless you that you will be a blessing to all the world. And so here we see the dietary laws as an example of that. It was to set them apart to be distinctive, but instead it had caused uh, separation uh, between them and the Israelite people. And God is saying, I am breaking this down. Absolutely. You know, uh, the Jewish people had forgotten the purpose for them being set apart Mm -hmm. by God. So their purpose was that they would be a blessing, that God would reveal himself to all people, to all nations through them. And, and yet it was foretold that a Messiah would come. And this Messiah would be for the Israelites, but would also be for all people in all nations and bringing them together. Isaiah 49 is, is one of these prophecies. It's speaking of the servant of the Lord. It is too small a thing, starting in verse six, sorry, Isaiah 49, verse six. Uh, here's, here's what is written. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach 
to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is this Messiah. So yes, the Israelites were set apart, but then the Messiah came and the Messiah was for all people. And the Messiah broke down, Jesus broke down the barriers between the Israelites and the Gentiles. So here in Acts, where we're at, so big picture of the whole history of Israel, of the Israelites, here in Acts, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating these events, orchestrating Cornelius and Peter meeting each other to help them see God's vision for a new season, for a new way of operating. For a church that reaches across mm -hmm. boundaries and borders, across differences, and invites people in. And so in this moment, Peter is having this vision that's uh, kind of rocking his worldview, his yeah. understanding. Uh, and again, Cornelius' people show up at his door. And at the end of the text that Sarah read, it says... Uh, that he invited them in. Now, this was not a kosher thing to do, now was it? Yeah. Uh, especially for them to then stay the night before mm -hmm. the journey the next day. Things are beginning to change in the church. So that's where we're going to leave the story today. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a cliffhanger for us. Uh, I, I know Alyssa has been doing a ton of reading and every time she finishes a book, we hear her screaming in this current series that mm -hmm. she's in because this author always leaves a, a cliffhanger and she hates it. Anyway, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to split the story up here and stop here. We, we've been talking about Peter and Cornelius and they have heard from God. They have taken the next step, each of them, but they don't know what the outcome is. They don't know how the story is going to unfold. And in this time and in this place and in this culture, the place where they're at is really uncomfortable. And this is a really challenging uh, spot for them. And I feel like it's a fitting place for us to stop in the story because much of our lives is lived in this space, in this space of following and obeying God but not knowing all the outcomes. I'm in this space where we're led by the Holy Spirit to address what is not aligned with God's kingdom, and, and we're led to take the next steps without knowing how the story unfolds. This can be kind of a challenging place to be in. Yeah, and in the text that we've covered today, here's the main point. Here's what really stands out. God has a vision for a new season. Uh, a new season in the world. God's plan has not changed in this moment. His plan was always to work through Israel, to bless them that they would be a blessing to the world. And in Jesus, this has culminated. Jesus is the Savior and the hope for the world. Through Israel will come this blessing to all of humanity. Uh, and God has a vision for this new season. And he is inviting people both to understand, to witness this vision that he has for humanity. And further, he's inviting the church to begin to experience something entirely new. And here we find ourselves in the first week of a new year, uh, in, in a new season. And we have faced enough challenges in 2020 <laughs> that I know that we are all looking forward to something new, something different in 2021. And so today we begin to dream and encourage you to begin to dream. 
what what is this new season? What might God have in store for this season to come? And we ask this of our individual lives, right? We see two individuals in the text today, and God is changing their mindset, their understanding, inviting them into new experiences. So individually, what does this new season look like? Uh, as a church, we ask God, what does this new season look like? And obviously, we have some major changes. We're, by, we're purchasing a church building for the first time in our uh, church history um, this week, in the first week of 2021. And so mm-hmm. we're so excited and prayerfully asking God, will you give us your vision? Teach us uh, what it looks like to engage mm-hmm. in the ways you are inviting us into these neighborhoods. Um, and then finally, as a community at large in the Tri-Cities, what is in store for 2021? What is God's vision for our community? And how do we get to come alongside him in that journey? So like Peter and Cornelius, we today are invited to pray, to listen, and to respond to God. So to pray, to listen, and to respond to whatever God's vision is. Now, we don't know the specifics of God's vision for us for, for 2021, yet God's vision is always one of peace and restoration. God's vision is always one of love and reconciliation because this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And so as we pray and as we listen, we look for opportunities that involve peace and restoration, love and reconciliation. And so we're invited, us, you, all of us together to spend time in prayer asking God to lead us. And in prayer, we open ourselves up to God and allow him to lead wherever that may be. And then we listen and observe, you know, what are opportunities are presenting themselves? Um, How is God speaking to us? Is he speaking to us through scripture, through friends, through opportunities, these divine coordination um, or orchestration of events happening around us? And then we take the next step. What is God calling us? And often, at least in my experience, often God doesn't lay out the whole plan. (laughs) He's not for me. I want him to, but he doesn't. He gives us one or two or three steps and he asks us to follow him. In the story of Peter and Cornelius, the next steps meant leaning into relationships with people who were different than them. It meant going against the social and societal norms of that day. And that's a that's a pretty good place, I think, for us to start as well. So we ask today, God, show us your vision for 2021 for, for ourselves individually, for our community, and for our church. And we invite you to join us as we pray, we listen, and we respond. Yeah, let's pray together. God, thank you for the day. Thank you for a time to look into your word, uh, to be reminded of the good news that was spreading uh, throughout Israel and now beyond in Acts chapter 10. And God, uh, thank you that you had a vision far bigger than what people knew in that moment. And God, we believe the same for our lives and for our church and for our community. Uh, God, we pray that you will give us eyes to see your vision. Uh, for our lives, for our church, and for this community. And then God, give us courage to lean in, to trust you as we take one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. So each week we leave you with a song. Um, and today I want to share with you a song called Rain in Us by Starfield. It was a new song to me, but here's the chorus. Oh, great and mighty one, with one desire we come that you would reign, that you would reign in us. We are offering up our lives a living sacrifice that you would reign, that you would reign in us. And this idea of our lives being God's and we open our lives up to God, we allow him to reign and then we follow wherever he leads us. All right, friends. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait to see you soon. Blessings. Bye.